in there. Press dining. Press dining. <laughs> Not for a while. I'm just letting this just record, guys, because usually we start and uh, you know we're we're very uh, professional. We have a nice calm beginning, but nothing about the way that Game Five played out. And really, the last few games of this series was calm and TJ. And it's three twenty-one in the morning. <laughs> That's no, what I'm saying. There's no calm or being sane. <laughs> so welcome to the Athletic Cleveland and the Selbius Godcast with TJ Zuppi, Zach Meisel, and we're still here in the press box, as you said. What time is it? Three, almost three thirty in the morning here, as Game Five has just wrapped up. Uh, what about three and a half hours ago at this point? And uh, that's like six innings in Yankees <laughs> baseball terms. Still trying to wrap our brains around what actually happened, uh, and we're lucky enough to, as we're getting ready to record this, still have some of our uh, our brethren here as well who just watched this play out. So we have Jordan Bastian of MLB.com, Ryan Lewis of the Akron Beacon Journal, and we're also blessed by the legend himself, Paul Hoynes of Cleveland.com, who's still hanging around. Wake me up. <laughs> now, we asked Hoinsey to stick around. He's got his backpack on. He's ready to go to sleep until February. But I wanted to ask Hoinsey what it's like. Is this, this is, what, 0 for 35 now in, in covering a champion, trying think, to cover a championship yeah, I, team? Since 83, so whatever that is. I, <laughs> yeah, no, it is. I, something like that. 30. 0 for Hoinsey. Over, yeah, yeah so it's me. there's a common know? thread here. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you wrote the team off, as everybody knows, last September, and they went on this improbable run because they kept peeling articles of clothing off of your portrait <laughs> in the clubhouse. I believe they were putting them on. Thank God. <laughs> and then this year, you try to redeem yourself, and you pick them to win it all, and what happened? Hey, Chris Antonetti says whenever I pick them, they, that's like the, the kiss of death. So uh, maybe that was it. I don't know. But I, boy, I expected this team to do a lot better than this. I thought they, I really kind of thought they fell on their face here in the ALDS. I, this is disappointing. I mean, last year they were the like the little engine that could, you know. Everybody was behind them. You get to the World Series, you're up three-one. You don't win it. Okay, you only had two and a half pitchers. This is this to you. You're the best team in baseball, or close to it, and you fall on your face like this. This this was not good. Yeah, you know, Zach, you and I talked about this uh, before the playoffs began. That it would be impossible to know how you'd feel if, if this team lost in the first round. If you would if you would look at the the season overall as a disappointment. If you'd be able to separate everything they accomplished in the regular season from what maybe they didn't accomplish in the postseason. And you and I, we both kind of agreed that. That it it was all going to be dependent on how this played out. You know, you, it was impossible to know going in whether you could you could not win it all and still have this be a disappointment or or, or what you would really feel in this moment. I I think Hoinsey is is dead on the money. There's no way you can look at what just played out here in this game five and and Jordan sitting here too as you watch this play out. Man, how can you? I guess how can you take everything that was accomplished, the 102 wins, the, the fact that you have the, the American League Cy Young Award frontrunner probably in, in Corey Kluber, and you were set up in such a way that he took the ball two times in this series and, and you still lost. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happened that was uh, atypical for what we, we usually see, but to process all of this has been, been kind of crazy to do over the past few hours. I think the thing that stands out to me is – Last year, we we heard so much from Terry Francona that it was win the game in front of you and you don't worry about tomorrow until you get there. 
And I think this year it felt different before this series even started. They were already talking about plans for Game 4 and contingency plans for Game 5 before they played Game 1. And that just felt so different from a year ago. And then they obviously got to Game 4 and they got to Game 5 and the contingency plans were all in place. Kluber on the mound, they're at home. Edwin Encarnacion came back from the injury, was in the cleanup spot. Miller was rested, Cody Allen was ready. You know, you had everything aligned the way that they wanted for Game 5, but I just still, when we go back to the the workout conversations, the fact that we were already thinking ahead to Game 5 felt so strange to me. This is, I think this is the worst possible outcome, the way it unfolded, because they won the first two games, and they, like, the Game 2 was the prime example of why they're so dangerous. You can never count them out, no matter how many runs they're down. And so everyone was, no one assumed we would even come back for a game five. Um, and I think a lot of people thought the Indians would, would finish it in three. And so it's like for, for two days, they showed glimpses of why they were a 102 win team, why they won 22 in a row. And then they just, I, like, I didn't recognize the team I saw the last three games. And so I think, like, it would have been less painful if they got swept because then you could just be like, okay, well, they just played really poorly and the Yankees played really well. But instead it was like, okay, well, here's this team that is really good as we thought. And then what happened? I don't I don't know. And I think that's why, I mean, when we all walked into the clubhouse after the game, minutes after the game, Yankees are still celebrating on the field. Every Indians player was sitting at their locker, just stunned. Yeah. Right. And I, I think that's, I kind of think that's going to be the feeling for a while here. Right. I don't know about you, but I mean, we, we all went back in after Game 7, and we went down there tonight. This felt different from Game 7 to me. Would you agree? This felt completely different. You know, last year, this run, that run that they went on, they weren't really supposed to do any of it. They weren't really supposed to beat the Red Sox, and they weren't supposed to beat the Blue Jays, and they definitely weren't supposed to test the Cubs like they did. I know. I read it in Cleveland.com. <laughs> <laughs> so... September 17th? <laughs> remember, remember the 17th of September. Sometimes for a laugh, I just still watch you go jump in Lake Erie. <laughs> Last year's run almost came with a pat on the back at the end where they had such an accomplishment of what they weren't supposed yeah. to do, and, and it came with so many guys that were injured that you almost thought, okay, they'll bring everyone back and they'll have such a good shot to at least do it again or win that final game. This year, there is no pat on the back. This year is really just disappointment, and not just because they're already out, but because they won the first two games, and game two was this insane comeback against one of the best bullpens in baseball. You didn't really think that we'd come back from New York still having to play games, and for, for this to end like that, there's just there's no redeeming quality really base. It's just disappointment, and that's, that's really the base difference from the clubhouse. Yeah, I just feel like this team raised the bar for itself last year, and that's not a bad thing that's what teams are supposed to do they're supposed to to increase the expectations because that's what happens with good teams and you know you can you can sit here and and talk about all the good that they accomplished and there there will be times to reflect back on some of those amazing things that they did in the regular season but this will forever tarnish it and there's I mean, that's just the reality here. If you're trying to play with the big boys like they are and they're trying to win championships and you want to be viewed in the same vein as the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Dodgers and every other big boy team that's trying to win championships, you have to live with the the expectations that go along with it. And I'm still, guys, I'm still floored that we're talking about a series that you had a dominant Bauer start, a dominant Carrasco start, 
what what one of you wouldn't if if you're in a position there knowing that those two things were were going to be were there were a certainty what what which one of you would would have thought that they wouldn't win that series to know that you have Corey Kluber's doctor (laughs) (laughs) I mean you know you have those two those two dominant starts and two starts from Corey Kluber lined up in the series to lose that series is 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 incredible to me so my question to you guys though is and we asked this to the players you had a 102 win season the only one team in Indians franchise history has won more games in a year. You had a 22-game winning streak, which no team ever has won more games in a row without a tie or a replayed game or some stupid shit like that. Guys, we can swear on this podcast, by the way. <laughs> Let them fly, Hoinsey. Let the F-bombs fly. <laughs> but does this – fans are pissed. And, I mean, our mentions are going to suffer for months and months. And next year, you come back – and they could win 110 games, and I think they're, the majority of the fan base is going to say, yeah, this is cute, but like, prove it in October when we care. And so I think a lot of the players are left like saying, hey, you know, it was cool that we did what we did, but honestly, none of it matters, right? Yeah, I mean, Hoinsey, put yourself back in, in the, your shoes in the, the, the mid-'90s, and coming off 95, you know, Zach and I agree that it sort of this sort of feels like 96 because that first year in 95, they, they were supposed to be good, but still it was that first time experiencing everything. You go to the World Series, okay, you lose, but you, you still lost to a really good team with incredible pitching, and they throw that parade, and, and everyone's feeling good, and they come back in 96, and they blow it in that series against the, the Orioles. They, yeah. It was a 99-win team right. that, that ended up losing in four games to Baltimore. Do you, do you see any similarities with the way this kind of came to an end? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you know, I, I really didn't think about it until you just said that. But I, I still think, to me, this was such a dominant team. I, I you know, I, you know, like John Hart will probably tell you that that, you know, that that '96 team was probably one of those, maybe was better than the '95 team, or you know, even the the '97 team for sure that went to the World Series. Um, but this team, to me, I, I just felt like this team was. You know, they had pitching, they had everything lined up this year. And and then to go into the postseason and, and just do what they did, I mean, it makes no sense. And and like Jordan was saying, like how they they screwed around with the roster, you know, they were trying to be cute, it looked like to me. And, you know, obviously now it seems like they were covering up for, uh, for uh, you know, Kluber. But, you know, still, I mean, I, if you're going to put – Five or how many, like three starters in in the bullpen? Use them. Yeah. You know, don't just sit there and look at them. I mean, what if if if, if, if you got Clevenger, you know, and and he, why not start Clevenger tonight? He didn't do anything but pick his nose this whole this whole postseason. I mean, if if you know Kluber's hurt, God, and and whose idea was it to start Bauer on 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 three days rest? I mean, start Kluber. I mean, start Clevenger in that game. I. I I just, yeah, I, I, I think they outthought themselves. I felt like this is, you know, and it's obviously in hindsight where you can kind of work backwards through some of the decisions now, but I think this is one of the first times where you can really see decisions that were made by, by Francona and, you know, maybe kind of go, you know, maybe they weren't the right moves. You know, I mean, obviously we know why Gio, Giovanni Urshela was on the roster for his defense, and this isn't to say, you know, each of those plays in a vacuum, there were other factors involved. The, the one was a rocket shot off his leg. The other yeah. one, Jose Ramirez wasn't covering the second. But it's still, 
two errors within a, a series of four in that game, three more errors in this one. The defense cost them, mm-hmm. and you didn't have uh, potentially a bat like Yandy Diaz on the roster. Mm-hmm. Whether or not he was dealing with that jam finger still, you know, they weren't really clear on that. But there were other things too. You know, the bullpen was the best in baseball, and you took three of its regulars mm-hmm. out and put three starting pitchers in. Um, and you, I'm sure you had to manipulate around that. That's why Joe Smith was pitching in the second yep. inning. You carry you Michael Brantley as a pinch hitter. Yeah, That's exposed when Edwin Encarnacion gets hurt. Right. And, you, know, you, why, you know, he felt bad for Brantley. I mean, he was, that was like spring training for him. But I mean, they admitted was, he was rusty, and it's like, if you're going to admit that, why is he on the roster? This was like spring training in October. And in Chisholm the same way. Mm-hmm. I mean, they. I don't know. I guess, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I know Tito is loyal to players, but maybe, you know, maybe he was too loyal this time around. It's, it's almost like a lot of things that played out, like, hurt those decisions. You know, right. It, it was like one thing happened that wouldn't necessarily expose another thing, but everything kind of had to happen in a certain yeah. way to make that all sort of get exposed. Whether, as, as you were saying, with Encarnacion getting hurt, you know, they, they, they go into the postseason, they think he's going to be there, so they're just relying on Michael Brantley to be a guy that comes in every once in a while and pinch hits, and that looks fine when everything's okay and everyone's able to play, but the minute you lose a guy and you have to plug him in, then your bench is playing one short, then we can look at it now and say, well, well why isn't Yandy Diaz on this roster? You really could have benefited from having a right-handed pinch hitter uh, on the bench when you you had Brantley and you had Chisholm, no one to hit for Giovanni Urshela when, when uh, Aroldis Chapman came in the game. Right. You know, these are things that I guess we can kind of look at, as you said, through the benefit of hindsight, but still, those are also things they have to have the foresight to see, uh, and in this situation, they didn't. When they rattled off 22 in a row, I thought the one thing that kept them going was they never beat themselves, and they did that in the series. And the Yankees played great, like tip of the cap, whatever. Although Aaron Judge was what one for nineteen with sixteen strikeouts, something like that. One for twenty, yeah. maybe. One for twenty, yeah. some MVP. They pitched him like, uh, like the Yankees pitched uh, Lindor and Ramirez. Yeah, but I just I felt the Indians beat themselves, and I don't think the staff helped some of the decision making. And it was just that's why, like I again, I didn't recognize this team. It's yeah. like everything that they did so well in August and September, they they just. I don't know who this was. It was also, weird. Also, if they score two runs the day Carrasco pitches, this is all. This whole discussion is rendered moot. Sure. Um, right. If Aaron Judge isn't six foot seven, but right. does it just reach over the Lind- fence to grab Lindor's home well, run? Lindor, Ramirez, and Kipnis combined went eight for sixty. You know, the grand slam was a great moment. It was one of Lindor. Was it his only hit? One of he two hits. He had a single in Game Five. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that was. I think that was another part to to your point about the twenty two game winning streak. They. They jumped out to those early leads in the top of the lineup, you know, kind of drove it, and we didn't see that at all in this series. And what's insane is one of the games they won, they scored five runs against one of the best bullpens in baseball. Yeah. So nothing just went according to plan. And <laughs> and, just, and this also wasn't a situation where they had to reach for guys for the roster. There were some really, really valuable players that didn't make it. And, you know, for example, Tito got emailed about Tyler Naquin. He's like the ninth guy that would have been on <laughs> after the 25. <laughs> That guy was right. Naquin was leading off instead of Lindor, who went two for 100. You never know. And maybe if you'd have watched the Daredevil Netflix series as opposed to the movie. Was that uh, Tyler Naquin emailing Tito? It might have been. The email address was NylerTaquin at Hotmail. never know. At AOL.com, like Coinsy. Coinsy, you don't have any mail before, we, before you no. get out of here, right? 
So I have a question. Okay. Is it fair to say they choked? I think it has to be fair because the expectations were so high. And again, this wasn't a situation where they were evolving into contenders. They were already well established as possibly the favorites in all of baseball. They were probably at the top of most people's power rankings. They were up 2-0. They had their pitching lined up, at least in the way that they wanted for Game 5 with Kluber at home. I think it's fair. I'm having HBD PTSD, by the way. Yes, that's understandable. <laughs> no one gets that except three of you sitting here. So, wait, you guys haven't talked HBD on this yet? That's a little bit. Barely. Okay. Very, well, we have a whole offseason. We've got time. a lot of time <laughs> of this offseason. Prepare yourselves. <laughs> but, you know, I put it out there on Twitter that I thought this was a choke job. And I think if you're a fan, be proud of the 102 wins. Be proud. Be Enjoy reflecting on the crazy ride of August and September, but you know a lot of people are going to have this sour taste in their mouth for not just the off season, but next year you go into it and it's like, okay, if they win twenty five in a row in May and June, we all know that doesn't mean anything anymore. I feel like the fan base is reflective of what we experienced in the clubhouse both years. Last year, I remember Cody Allen still seemed fired up and was like, let's go to spring training, let's do this again. Like, you know, they were playing with house money. Like, we had two and a half starters and we almost won the World Series. This is incredible. You know, just wait till next year. And they felt like that sense of accomplishment, even though they blew the 3-1 lead. Um, This year, there was no silver lining to to pull at after this game. And I feel like the fans are going to also – feel that same that same way where you know okay they don't want those arbitrary accomplishments they want that championship and they were supposed to get it this year and so in that way yeah I mean the team let the fan base down and the fan base is going to feel that stronger this year I think than they did a year ago I mean there's no way you can look at it as anything other than a missed opportunity I hate that we don't have a better word for choke in sports (laughs) because I I don't know if it always applies in this the way that you want to use it i mean especially in baseball where the best team in baseball rarely wins the world series with the way this is set up now i mean hoynes i know when you started back in 1920 or whatever the best team had a better shot but that's also the last time the indians well second uh, best the world series is best the nine yeah yeah um, but now with the five-game series and a seven-game series and then another seven-game series and wild cards and everything, there is a lot of variance here that just sometimes you can't account for. And that's Random all true. variation. There, always there it is, your favorite, your favorite term. Uh, so I, I always feel like there's some of that at play. And the Yankees are a fantastic team. If you'd have told me before the series began that they lost in five to the Yankees, I would not have been. Would anybody have really been surprised by that? No, the Yankees actually are a lot better than their win total. If you look at. Uh, go back to Zach and HBD sequencing. Uh, Cleveland Rocks have had bad sequencing over the years. I'm sure TJ and Zach will inform the fans of all of that. Uh, but the Indian, uh, the Yankees have had sequencing issues. If you look at a lot of their peripheral numbers, they played like a hundred win team, second in run differential. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just didn't show up necessarily in the win. So they were a much better team than I think uh, people maybe anticipated. And I think they're built for October more than they are. The regular season. I mean, their bullpen is, bullpen is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I th- I thought this could be a, a nerve-wracking series for the Indians because the, the Yankees took away 
and not that the two bullpens go out on the mound and, and fight each other, but they kind of take away. <laughs> That'd be sweet. It, it would, actually. Andrew Miller swinging fists and legs. Shaw. And, yeah. <laughs> Taking down everyone. Uh, so so you, you sort of lose that advantage that you have over, over other teams with your ability to shorten the game. But the thing I keep coming back to, in addition to, to Kluber just not looking like Kluber and we have enough pieces to, that we can put together to at least see that he's not 100%. We know that. Um, but the other thing is just how much they, they, as Zach was saying, they got away from just playing their style of, of baseball. The things that they did late in the season to get them that excellent record. And, and I talked to Josh Tomlin after game four, and I was just talking about Kluber. And he said, yeah, that's great, and we, we, we feel great about that. But it's not going to matter if we don't play clean or if we're not playing our style of baseball. And if we do that, we'll be fine. But if we don't, that's going to be a problem. And then it played out almost that way with the defense late and you know, every run against the role as Chapman that you have to get back is huge. And you know, they still get into a situation where they get a, a guy on base in the ninth inning, but you're down by three runs now because of, of some, some defense that didn't play so well in the, the final inning. That, that to me is probably one of the bigger takeaways from this series is that they just, they just didn't play the way that, that they did in that, that final month, that they weren't clean, that they, they weren't fundamentally sound, all those things that they, they stressed and they, they felt were so important and gave them an identity maybe for the first time all season, and we just didn't see a lot of that. Do you think that pressure played a factor? Last October they were essentially playing with house money, and it worked. And, and you know, we saw at the end of the season, even though they lost and even though they blew a 3-1 to one lead, most people were forgiving. And this year, they knew what the expectations were. They knew it was, for lack of a better phrase, World Series or bust. And it got to them. And I don't know if that's, you know, that's probably not the reason Francisco Lindor goes two for 20 or whatever he went. But does that play some sort of mental, is that some sort of mental hindrance? I think they just got beat three times. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that you can look to the 22-game winning streak as a sense of they really they really didn't get too high or too low and they actually I, I think they did do a good job of that um for example you throw you know around the that kind of c word for baseball i i don't think that it means that they have that quality yeah we can cuss but we can't say i'm not saying that jeez i don't think it means that they have a choke quality or anything like that first and last time on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it is it, it's hard to kind of qualify it as anything else just looking at where they were in the series and, and how they did have things lined up and how things were going at that time. Um, but I, this doesn't seem like a team that really gets, that was rattled. It doesn't seem like a team that really got too high or too low at any point. They just got beat three times and, you know, it, it, that, that's going to happen eventually. That, it just happened at the wrong time. That absolutely boring mentality that they had during the 22-game winning streak where it was hard to get quotes <laughs> about the 22-game winning streak, where was that during the series? That mentality seemed like it was gone. It was, I think that was one of the reasons they were so successful was every game was, as cliche as it sounds, it was that day's game and that just intense focus on that day. And I felt like that, even from just the conversations you had, you know, with the players, and it just I felt like the tone of it was, was different. And that is what defined the team down the stretch and in the second half. And I felt like that was maybe lacking a little bit once the calendar flipped October. As we're talking about all of, of the the front offices and managerial decisions that were made for this roster and in this series, do you think 
and I know many of you guys asked this question to many of the players, do you think there are any players that, that are even slightly in the back of their mind thinking that, that Terry Francona did something to hinder their chances in this series? I don't know. I mean, none. obviously none of the players came out and said that. Some of them, I think Brantley gave me a little side eye when I asked uh, what what he thought about people citing Francona for some of the being at fault. Um, Jay Bruce actually reacted pretty angrily when I asked him that question, said it was outrageous that anyone would question uh, Terry Francona. And Tomlin I gave you about four words. Gave me four words. <laughs> but I think it's an important question. Um, and I think what Bruce said I thought made a lot of sense is it's not like it's just Francona making the decisions. He has a, a lot of very experienced people around him who challenge him. Um, we know Millsy and him have been together forever. You know, Mickey Callaway is going to speak his mind if there's a pitching decision. Uh, you know, the front office guys, that's one of the things they pride themselves on is between the front office, the coaches, and Francona, this is a collective group who will get in a room and throw their opinions at each other and then come to that collective decision. And Tito obviously wears it, and he'll be the first one, like with Kipnis in center. Yeah. He says, if something goes wrong, it's on me. And so Tito wears it, and maybe people will blame him for some of the things that transpired, but to what Bruce said, it's not just Francona, it's that collective unit coming up with the decision together and you know, maybe Kluber wanted an extra day at the end of the season. You know, no one will come out and say that. And we know that Terry Francona of of any manager goes to protect yeah. his players. I think there's a very real possibility of that. Right. So I think, you know, there are things like that, you know, like I said, maybe Yandy Diaz's hand was was actually hurt and that's why he wasn't on the roster. Right. You know, um, you know, I think there's other elements that play there that Terry Francona will just wear it in order to protect his guys. Yeah, but like if they don't, if Kluber or anyone else won't use his back injury or whatever he's dealing with as an excuse, should we? Like, I don't know. I have trouble not giving the Indians a pass or giving Kluber a pass, but I have trouble... Like, if they won't come out and say it, then why... I don't, know, I don't know if it's an excuse so much as in when something like this happens, you're looking for an explanation. Sure. I don't think it's going, it's an excuse. If he felt healthy enough to take the mound, there's probably starts this year that we don't know about where yeah. he was feeling it, and he pitched mm-hmm. well, and because he pitched well, you don't even ask the question. Um, so I think it's more, we haven't seen Kluber pitch like that in two straight starts since, what, 2012? You know, when he couldn't get out of the first inning? You know, so I think it's because it, what we saw was so foreign, you're you're searching for an explanation because what you're seeing with your eyes didn't align with what you saw for the last four months. Before we we wrap this up, the hot call, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll get one of those before we get out of here. <laughs> um, the thing that that I wasn't ready and I wasn't even thinking about, and I don't know if you guys are the same way too. I was not even thinking about when you flip it forward to the offseason and all the guys are going to be free agents and yeah. their future. Today it really hit me that, oh, oh crap, that, that happens today potentially that we're, we're now focusing on the future of Austin Jackson, Carlos Santana, Josh Tomlin, Michael Brantley, Jay Bruce. The list continues to go on and on and on. And you know, it, was, it was a weird situation where you go from – you go from potentially asking them about moving on and, and excitement and they're spraying champagne to the rug being pulled out from underneath them and you're asking about their future. But the Indians, for for everything that they kind of have settled as far as their, their future goes, they have a lot of questions they're going to need to ask 
in a very short period of time when the World Series is over, they need to have some some answers on guys like Tomlin and Brantley, and that could impact what they do with Carlos Santana. So I, I guess my, my question is, do you think there's – of those guys that, that are out there, do you think that there's – whether it's Brantley or, or Santana, do you think there's a good chance that one of those guys isn't back? Joe Smith, Brian Shaw? Who, oh, who yeah. is the guy that you, that you think that there's probably a better shot that they're not here as opposed to actually being here? I think guys like Jackson and Smith, you know, those guys, you know, you find those guys, you know. You can, I mean, I'm not disparaging them, but, I mean, those are the kind of guys that, you know, that you pick up late or pick up, bring in, bring to camp on a, on a minor league deal. They make your club and they're gone the next year, you know. So I I wouldn't be surprised if guys like that are gone. Brian Shaw, he's going to, I would imagine he's going to be an expensive uh, proposition, you know. But he blows every game he pitches in. <laughs> <laughs> do, you think, do you think the the opposing front offices read the Twitter feeds of people? Yeah, and oh, go, yeah. Oh, no, I can sign this guy. He's going to look like he makes 80 appearances a year <laughs> for 60, you know, six straight years or whatever it is. Shaw feels like when Joe Smith was hitting free agency the last time, you know, where as a reliever, it's rare that you get that opportunity to hit free agency and get a multi-year deal. And when they get it, when they get that opportunity, they jump at it because they're relievers, and yeah. it's the most volatile position on a roster. So when they get to that point and they can get security, they jump at it. I think Shaw's going to do that. Smith, I would say, is far more likely, especially with Shaw leaving, to try and work out a deal uh, to stay around, and he obviously has a lot of motivation to, to stay around here. I think before we go breaking down every potential roster move, I, I think the one thing I want to say is I don't know that they'll have a – better, more complete, deeper roster ever than they've got right now. You start thinking about Andrew Miller and Cody Allen entering the final years of team control. Um, I know you still have the rotation under control. you still got Lindor and Ramirez for a while. But when are you going to have, like, if Bradley Zimmer was healthy, where the heck would Jason Kipnis have played? Yeah. And where where would you have put Michael Brantley and Lonnie Chisenhall if they're, like, when this roster, if it would have stayed healthy and you didn't have guys making a mad dash to, to get back on the roster before the finish line there, where would you have put everybody? And so I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's easy to look at this roster and say, yeah, that's a 102-win team because it's really good and it's really deep. And I don't know that you're going to have that anymore. I mean, it's going to be expensive to keep Santana or Bruce or Brantley or uh, – even Austin Jackson might be a guy who gets a multi-year deal somewhere. So I just wonder, you know, can they push the payroll even more like they had, like they did last winter? Um, Encarnacion's salary is going to go up. Guys in arbitration, their salaries are going to go up. Do you give someone like Cody Allen an extension? I mean, there's there's so many decisions here, and it makes me think like this might have been their best chance. And you don't, you never know during the journey that that's the case. You know what I mean? Like. 95, they thought, oh, we'll be back next year and we'll win it. And if not, well, we, we've yeah. got plenty of time. 96, they probably felt the same thing. And then they didn't cash in in 97. And it's like, okay, we better take care of business pretty quickly because this thing could end soon. And now we're left. And, and that 90s run was like the glory days. But what's the one thing people remember most? That they never won a title. And so I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not, it's not doomsday here by any means. But what if this was their best chance? What if you can never never get back to the opportunity, the, just the position they were in to finally cash in this year. 
it is amazing how quickly these guys can go from the, the nice underdogs who make that incredible run to this year to all of a sudden next year there's a real sense of urgency for this team in terms of the, t- the decisions that they have to make because they can't just keep everyone in even just keeping Sean Smith we've seen the the price tags for relievers skyrocket the last couple of years look at a guy like Brett Cecil and you know guys of, of that level are even getting paid you know big numbers they're not gonna be able to keep everyone and then do you look to trade a Jason Kipnis who's I think has a base salary of like 13 and a half million and is there year? a worse time to ever try to do it right so it, it, <clears throat> it's the, the timing of it the amount of the number of guys that they have that are the level of guys who could get multi-year deals who knows where they come out of this? They should trade everybody. Rebuild. <laughs> yeah. Trade Lindor. You'll never get more for him. Trade Ramirez. No, seriously. Hold on. If they really wanted to go down that path. You could have the greatest farm system in the Forget MLB about history. what the White Sox did. Everyone throwing bouquets at them. Forget about all that. You, yeah, but they, are you ready to lose for five years? Do you know what you could get for Then it beat, beat all these late nights at the ballpark points. <laughs> Carrasco would get you two studs. How many top 100 guys do they get with Orange is leaving. Wait, wait, we need a hot call. Hot call. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? False start. False start. False start. How many top? (laughs) There we go. All right. Woo! See you, Orangey. Um. You could get so much. Now we start talking. We start talking crazy. Orangey's like, I'm out of here. You trade Lindor, Ramirez, and we're not being serious here, but. But are we? You would get an incredible haul. Carrasco, think of the you know the, how about the contract he has. Bauer's a great teammate now, so oh, yeah. pe- teams would want to trade for him. Salazar still has a very high ceiling when he's healthy. Yeah, yeah, that, that's interesting. All right, start the rebuild. And you don't even have to worry about the wind floor. You just go full, <laughs> strip it down all the way down, and win forty games. Just to shove it in the Browns' face <laughs> that like we know how to do this. We can even be better at losing than you can. <laughs> Yeah, this is off the rails. Is that the new name of the podcast? Off the rails. <laughs> uh, I, I do think Tom and I kind of. I didn't want to chuckle, but when he was like, "Oh, you know, I'm in the same boat as these guys," I'm like, "Well, okay, wait. You have a three million dollar team option, and Mike Pelfrey got what again? Two for sixteen. Yeah, Josh Tomlin should be back. You're not going to find even a fifth starter, even if he's like a <laughs> swing guy. Like, Imagine, even if he was a, even if he did what he did, his production and was a complete asshole to everybody, <laughs> you, would, you would still pick up his option. Three million. He's, he's everybody's favorite teammate. Of course, they're going to pick up that. Yeah, what about Bauer? Well, Bauer's progressing. No, I, Bauer's a better teammate than Tomlin. How many mini to... balls did Tomlin make? This is true. Him and Carrasco did. What do you do? By the way, job on hot the, take alert. I was a better pitcher. In tenth grade, than Mike Pelfrey ever was. You think so? He sucks, and he got two for sixteen. <laughs> Shout out to Mike, who's a uh, big time listener to the Selby's podcast. <laughs> Thanks you, for listening and subscribing to the Athletic, Mike. What do you do with Brantley though? Team option, eleven million. If you let him go, and you want draft comp, didn't tonight look like a farewell mil- though? He went locker by locker and hugged every teammate. Did you notice that his walking boot had signatures on it? And did you notice that he's still wearing a walking boot? (laughs) (laughs) This guy was supposedly healthy weeks ago. Yeah. Why was he running the bases to make his case that he should be on the team? I'm not sure he was available in game five. He was in a walking boot when we interviewed him after the game. Um, But it was interesting for him to say, you know, he said, he started. He said, "I started this quest in 2009. I don't want it to end like this." And you know, it was, so there was obviously. You know, we talked to Tomlin. He looked like, you know, he was starting to have tears in his eyes. And 
talked to Santana, who said you know he he was hurting. You know, I mean, it, it, these he, are Santana guys. Santana was already making plans for next year for them going back to, <laughs> right, the, like, to the World wait, 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 Series. You know, you're a free agent, right? <laughs> like the, he, there is no doubt. And this is my house. Like this times. is my house. Everybody knows me. How, how much he wants to, and his age is whoa, 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 whoa. But I mean, it's pretty clear he he wants to be back. And Tomlin, as we said, is is almost a foregone conclusion. If it's not, I think somebody swallowed some crazy pills. The the crazy one is is Brantley because at eleven million dollars and all of even if you just looked at the production okay the production's good, uh, but he's also another year older, and you have a lot of guys that could maybe do not quite what he can production wise in but, ninety games. Well, hold on, we'll get there. You 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 have a bunch of guys here that are going to be fighting for spots. I mean, where's Greg Allen going to play in a couple of years? You know, right. where we got to mix in Bradley Zimmer. You still have Tyler Naquin. You have Who's going to be batting leadoff? <laughs> yeah, well, other guys progressing up. When you have like Yandi, I loved what they did in September. Yandi starting, pull the plug late when you have a league. Geo is like the the, you know, defensive guy to go in there late. I I love that combination. But do you go back to, Kipnis at second, Ramirez in third, or do you now if Zimmer's healthy? Do you put Kipnis in the left and, and wave goodbye to Brantley because you have that contract on the books and it's going to be hard to trade it? I mean, there's so many moving parts here. You know, the guy I think is, I think Santana is, of the three, Bruce, Brantley, and Santana, I think Santana is the most likely to be back. Agreed. Um, but, I, but I just, trying to figure out what they yeah. would do with Brantley and I, Kipnis is, it's, it's, I could, con, it's confusing to try and figure out. I could see them declining Brantley's option and bringing him back on a, an incentive laden, yeah, that two year that, deal with, with an option. Yeah. Okay, I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. I'm out of here. It's four back. in the morning. No, I mean, we say, do you hand an injury prone guy? He's played 101 games for the last two years combined. You hand you you hand him a lot less than 11 million. Yeah. Would he do that? I mean, he he might not have a choice. He, it's he started this quest in 2009. <laughs> he doesn't want to end it like this. Tribe, I, I don't, tribe called quest. His quest on the tribe. Yeah, it's it's rest in peace to Fife Dog, by the way. But it's R.I.P. I don't know. I, it's always tough to gauge. Like I remember when I covered Ohio State and they lost to Tennessee. Oh boy, here we oh. go. God. Hey, we haven't had a Blue Jays reference yet. Jordan's <laughs> been on this podcast for like forty minutes. No Toronto references. But and, and Evan Turner won the National Player of the Year. They lost to Tennessee when they were the heavy favorite in the Sweet Sixteen. And Evan Turner, the first thing he said in his post-game presser was, I can't go out like this. I'm definitely coming back. And then like a week later, he declared for the NBA. So you can, you can never judge. He walked out of the press conference and said, I'm and, going to the NBA. And like shook hands with his new agent. But you can never judge what players say in the heat of the moment and with all this emotion after the game. Um, but, you know, I meant to start this podcast by singing that Sarah McLaughlin song. Well, there's still time. It's not quite over yet. Okay, but... No, I, I don't know. I, they, it, it's in the front office's hands mostly anyway, and they're good luck to Antonetti to turn <laughs> off. Like, yeah. I don't envy them. Last year it was like, hey, maybe we can land this stud free agent who falls into our laps, and then like Jay Bruce just appears out of nowhere. Hey, just pay three million yeah, bucks. Well, Jay yours. Bruce appears and almost helps them get to the ALCS. This is going to be a lot more difficult. I and and Bruce is another one too. Where where. It seems like just watching him over the last month, he seems like a guy that loved it here. And on the way out, he's basically saying that to everybody and, you know, appreciating how easy everybody made the transition for him. 
getting to a point where in baseball guys that just hit for power and that's that's all they do and that's that's fine and that serves a role but they aren't getting paid like they used to that makes me wonder if is there a spot for him even if he goes out and tests the market and doesn't quite see what he wants maybe he comes back on a deal that is less than what we're thinking right now yeah it's it's i guess it's tough four hours after the season ends to to sort of sift through this all at once but that's not exactly how this works it's not like you have to make all these decisions at once it's going to play out over time and you're going to learn slowly you know who's who they're going to non-tender who's going to be around who who they're going to have to go to arbitration with so i think there are some things that will become easier over time as as the picture kind of gets revealed slowly Right now, it's a little overwhelming. Like I can't imagine sitting in, the, like sitting at a, a whiteboard and just putting up all these names and going, okay, who's back, who's not, who's gone, who, right. because and you're not just dealing with guys like last year, Raj walks, uh, Napoli walks, and that was tough for them to see them go. But those were both free agents that were here for one year, and just the timing of it all kind of forced their hands. You know how, how do you? How do you say goodbye to Lonnie Chisinau if you said we're going we're gonna to non-tender him? Lonnie's been here since you drafted him. It's, it's not as simple as just their numbers and you're just letting them walk out the door. These are guys that have been around for a long time, and, it's, and it would be tough to put aside any personal allegiances or anything that you have and make some tough decisions on some of these guys. No, and the one thing that we haven't even mentioned, how, it's not just about retaining certain people. How are they going to be better? Because, yeah, they could show up with the exact same team and win the World Series because playoff baseball is cruel, unforgiving, and wicked, and just random as hell. But the goal is to get better and to go into next season making sure you're not questioning yourself in mid-July at 48 and 45. And you're not giving other teams in your division hope that they can contend with you. And you're not going into October with, question marks about who's playing where so you know they have a lot of pieces they could trade they could bring in some guys Uh, you know there's a lot of there's so much maneuvering and it's giving me a headache even thinking about it (laughs) so like what are you guys going to do with all your free time now let's talk about that (laughs) well it was funny my son he's eight was at the game tonight before the game he said i hope they win but if they don't that'll be okay because you'll get to come home now I mean, we had a really short winter last year. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting home. Short and work's really tough, you guys, just so you all know. Yeah. Uh, but getting home and seeing the kids for October will be nice. Get to be there for my daughter's birthday. I missed that last year. The life of a sports writer. You'll, uh, Linus. When, when is Linus's birthday? December 2nd. Everyone is invited, or you can just send birthday cards um, actually, I'm not handing out my... You can send e, e-cards? Birthday? Are those still a thing? I, don't, my, I have a... Like, you have like that crazy aunt I that always sends those? I was just going to say that. I do. Yes. Um, December 2nd, Linus will be one. So that's, that's exciting. That's my off-season. That's exciting. That's, ex- that's and, a lot to And Ryan, what, you're going to do some work around the house, right? Yes. Yeah, so we got some new stuff to do on your new house. Yeah, a lot of unpacking still to do. A nice. month, month or two too late. <laughs> Can uh, Cody Anderson lift boxes yet? Ooh, he could help. But that's and that's kind of the sad thing is like, you know, we can write really that nice. He took away one of his favorite things in the world during his Tommy John <laughs> surgery. Opening sliding glass doors. We We can write like glowing feature stories about 
I don't know, how Cody Anderson saved a family from a burning building. He did? But you know you're just going to get replies that are like, who cares, win a game in October. Yeah. Yeah, it it was frustrating. I I said to somebody, I was reminded of uh, the cruelty of the internet when on our flight back here, I looked out my window, saw this great view of the city, and posted just what I thought was just a... It was a nice picture. It was a nice photo of the ballpark and the city. I was just happy to be home. And the replies were just so ugly, and it, why do we check our mentions? It's horrible. It's horrible. Be nicer in the winter. Goal for everybody. Someone someone tweeted at me tonight, <laughs> I feel bad for you having to cover this team that always disappoints year after year in the playoffs. <laughs> I, I had like ten thoughts that went through my mind. The first being, well, this, this is really the first disappointing postseason they've had in 20 years like 15 years yeah, I, mean, I mean 2013 they, yeah, they could have won the wild card game okay 2007 no one knew that team was going to be a 96 win team I mean, I mean it, it's been at least a decade okay yeah and I just replied and I said yeah the alternative covering that team that plays down by the lake doesn't seem much better yeah the only one who's covered a lot of disappointing playoff things is, is Hoinsey yeah you know <laughs> this, this and that's is why our... he left the podcast yeah, early he's, he's had he enough of this he shit he couldn't take it anymore <laughs> Uh, but no, you're right. I think in 2013, they won 10 in a row. It was incredible to end the season. I mean, that was a disappointing wild card game. They didn't score a run. But that was the start of the Francona era, right. and it looked like it was going to be roses after that. That's why I think, like, to get back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, like, I came here in 2011. You know, Zach. You from were, where? From where? From Toronto. Ding, ding. Uh, Zach was my ding. In- intern way back in the day. You know, but we were seeing how the core was coming together with these young guys that were just coming up. Vinny Rotino, Cord <laughs> Phelps, Jared Head, right. Thomas Neal. Help me out here, TJ. Uh, yeah, send Zach all your random Chris jersey Seddon. sightings. Ra- uh, top 50 random jersey sightings of the year coming next week, hopefully. But what I was saying, yeah, this is the first, Toronto. <laughs> this is the first time we're getting to a point where the guys who came up as the core guys yeah. are now – potentially leaving and you, you're going to have to now have this transitional mm-hmm. period and, and I do think that that's uh, there, know, an interesting transition period for that for the franchise there was an interesting image final week of the regular season they it was TJ that game. wasn't sent I didn't mean to send that to you well, stop sorry. hitting reply all <laughs> and we won't talk about it on the podcast they flashed to the dugout where a trio of Indians was talking. were talking. They all had hoodies on, and it happened to be Jan Gomes, Michael Brantley, and Jason Kipnis. All three of them weren't playing in the game. And I was thinking back to even, what was it, two years ago, three years ago, when they had that big leadership meeting, and those were three of the guys that were kind of pointed to and said, this, you guys have to step up as the leaders of this team, and Kluber was part of that too. And it's those three guys were such a huge part of what was supposed to be the success of this franchise, and to an extent they still are. Um, those guys were off the radar. Well, while this team was winning 22 games in a row, for a large part of that, Jason Kipnis, Michael Brantley weren't part of it, and, and Jan Gomes was was losing at bats to, to Chis- Roberto Perez. Chisholm Hall was hurt. Lonnie, right. Andrew right. Miller was hurt. And these were two guys that were, or three guys that were a huge part of the team. And now, now they're in the dugout wearing hoodies, and they're just kind of watching this all unfold. And that was almost a, an eye-opening moment for me, just uh, in my brief time covering the team since I think it was 2011 was also my first full year covering the team. I think that was that was 
just a, a weird thought that crossed my mind. Just how much things can change. Not only can change, but change very quickly. Well, I think it's kudos to the front office because back in the day, in the 2003 to 2013 era. Which was a Wednesday. Back in the day was always a Wednesday. Oh, okay. Um, cool joke. It would have been... They would have ridden it out. A joke, it's a fact. They would have ridden out with Gomes, Brantley, and Kipnis, and then rebuilt. Now they've stocked the farm system. They've made good moves. They've signed certain guys long term to where, yeah, the old guard is is getting old, and and maybe they move on from them. But they already have a talented core ready to replace them. So they they've kind of turned over this contention window, to use a, a Mark Shapiro term. Um, and the previous, re- not previous regime, but like the previous era of this franchise could never do that. And that's why they could never string together years of success in a row. So I think it's, it's a good thing and it shows what the front office has built here. But you're right, it's weird. And it would be, you know, it's, those guys are going to, I'm sure the Indians would love to unload Kipnis's contract. You're going to have Francisco Mejia ready at some point next year. And like, I guess we learned today Roberto Perez is the starter moving forward. So where does that leave Gomes? Brantley, we know there's questions about. Jason so. Kipnis was just launching home runs in the World Series. He was the hometown <laughs> anti-hero. And a year later, we're talking about how much they probably would like to get rid of the contract. I mean, life comes at you fast. <laughs> and there, uh, Kipnis is like the, the biggest example of that. He was a what, four-win player last year, five-win player, one of, the, one of the most important players on the team. And this year, it's it's like people just want to write them off and throw them out on the curb, throw them out in the dumpster. It's it's crazy how how quickly that can happen. Guys, spring training's four months away. Oh. <laughs> the winter, unless, we're, unless we're talking HBD, which it just started. The winter meetings are two months away. Right I after mean, Linus's birthday, I believe. Yeah, a week later. Thank God, because that would have been a conflict. Oh. Orlando in December is fun. Um, Again. <laughs> but all we're left with now is, can I say the F word? The fucking Browns, Kevin Hogan, <laughs> and a Cavs regular season that's really a preseason. Sports, the calendar is brutal. This is going to be rough. That's why I'm spending three months in Disney, so you've left at me this whole time, and <laughs> I had it all planned out. How many times can you go on the It's the Small World After All oh, ride? dear God. Wait, are you going to be there before or after the winter meeting? Both. <laughs> During, before. Are you staying at the Swan or the Dolphin? We will be there before the winter meetings. I'm going on my honeymoon, and I don't think I need to come back. There's nothing in Cleveland for me to come back for. You can stay there for a while, yeah. Kyrie was right. About the earth being flat. I think that's what we've all learned today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we all learned something. And that's usually by the end of the episode, you want to make sure your prime characters have learned their lesson. They will never repeat said said, uh, faults. Bad things happen to them. Josh Tomlin said tonight, we're too good a team to go home. It's 4.11 in the morning. We're too good a team to go home, guys. Ooh, I like that. I hop. <laughs> if we turn this Perkins. To, if we turn this to HB, we could stretch this out till five. Bob Evans. Yeah. Perkins. Or man. Oh, Bob Evans is the best. It's first off. Perkins. Okay. It's not even close. Oh, come on, guys. In an hour and forty eight minutes, Chick-fil-A will open. They have their mini chicken biscuits. Taco Bell has breakfast now. Number two combo with no tomato. Guys, no press dining. 
for oh, six months. Oh, what are we going to do? Thank God. Lose Can we weight? talk a little crap about that? Because <laughs> there's no one still listening to this. Um, <laughs> the Indians, Curtis God Denver, bless listening them. to the end. Press dining is brutal. It's bad. It's, it's it, really bad. It took a, yeah. It was, it was disappointing, disappointing this year. This is the airing of grievances episode. How many lost season do you think the press dining took this year? Oh, it was like negative six four. It was like Michael Martinez. If Michael Martinez only ate press dining, do you notice in the playoffs there weren't more brownies? They just cut the brownies <laughs> in half. There were the same amount of brownies. <laughs> They were just smaller. And we were spoiled because we got Yankee Stadium, which might have the best press dining oh, in baseball. The desserts alone the were like chicken a fingers. seven more level. Game oh. Ryan three. still Ryan's has desserts just... in his pocket from <laughs> Yankee Stadium that he smuggled on the plane. You had... Ryan, why aren't you sharing? <laughs> and I'm not a big Did you eater, bring cupcakes? Which I think is a variable to this. I watched you during game three have two Rice Krispie treats. <laughs> Correct. One really big slice of chocolate cake. Correct. Uh, that lemon, lemon meringue, meringue pie thing, thing with a giant uh, thing of frosting. Also correct. A waffle cone of ice cream <laughs> with correct. sprinkles. At one point, I thought you were only eating the waffle cone. <laughs> um, and a banana. You had more. And watermelon. Did you and have watermelon. any cookies? I didn't have any cookies. Any this was all before the custard? fourth inning. I, I went for... All the desserts that you, you couldn't get here in any form. When my boss, who was sitting in the third row, at one point remarked, well, Jordan thinks the cookies are really good, <laughs> I realized I must have eaten a lot of them. <laughs> well, I mean, when you have that smorgasbord just available to you, you never know what you're going to like, what you're not going to like, so just take it all with you and find out on the way. And I'm glad that, Ryan, you, you were able to embrace that. The Rice Krispie Treats were maybe the best part of New York. Yeah. Well, 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 seeing Times Square also. That was nice. I, I took Ryan up to see the nice. MTV TRL studios. We, we, That's still relevant, right? The kids are still watching that TRL. TRL's coming back. <laughs> Did you know that? Is Carson still hosting? I don't know. And Or is it the Gabby show? Who? <laughs> Anyone listening in New York who now can stop into Foley's near the Empire State. Yeah, hey. that was cool. Zach Meisel, TJ Zuby, and Ryan Lewis now have autographed baseballs on the writer's wall. That Foley's. was cool. The only, cool. the only negative part of it for me is I never sign my name. When I'm signing, actually signing my name, I never sign it TJ. I sign it with my first initial of my actual given name, Anthony. Mm-hmm. So it's always A. Zuppi. So asked to sign a ball with TJ Zuppi underneath threw it. threw you off. I, I had to just print you were T. Shook. J, more so than probably this morning, TJ, and then actually sign Zoopy. So it, it looks ridiculous up on the wall. My autograph baseball. Mostly because it's actually me up on the wall, and I devalued the baseball. Yeah, it's we, now worth less. They're worth less money. It's like when Ken Dorsey signed my Browns hat at oh. training camp. <laughs> oh. my, and Jason Wright. Remember him, the running back? No. I, I have a football from 1999 that is full of about seven guys that didn't make the actual expansion team. Let me say that again. They didn't make the expansion team, including kicker Danny Kite. But I have that that autographed football somewhere with Jameer Miller's Jameer Miller, who actually Ooh. made a Pro Bowl, and then everybody else in the Browns that got cut from an expansion team. Did you guys notice what my autographed You're baseball said? The label to say Toronto, aren't you? It said Blue Jays. Cool. Ding. Jordan worked in Toronto. Everybody, you want to sing that song? Well, we have six minutes, five minutes until we hit an hour. Um, we can do it, guys. I can't wait I until, because it's 4.16, you hit the wrong button and this all gets deleted. So, last, I think we should end on this. 
Terry Francona says it. He said it last year too. You know, the season is such a grind and it's so long, and then you it ends and it's it's like crashing into a brick wall because you're going. We don't know what day it is for seven months because it's the season is just ridiculous. I always and it tell never people stops. the hardest part of my job is remembering what day of the week it is. Yeah, and then now. It just people could say the tenth. No, no, no. I mean, literally, what literally, day? What is day it? is? It? I don't know. Yeah, it's and, seven o'clock game day. That's all I know. And starting tomorrow, it'll be like I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah, it's just it's so weird. Well, Ryan's got a few ideas, but oh, we won't geez, tell you about dear it. Lord. Also, should we should we shout out to great <laughs> Indians PR intern Kaylee Adams? End well, you of just a, did. end of an era. She did a fantastic job. Good luck in Baltimore. She fixed my press box window mm. a year before they actually fixed all the press box windows. You know, the one thing that press makes box. me sad is like press there box. are... That would be like one solo window. <laughs> it was. <laughs> well, it was just press box. There are a lot of people who who deserve to see a championship. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Bart Swain has worked his ass off for the Indians for right. almost 25 years. And he's gotten so close and hasn't, hasn't gotten to experience it. I think of... Like, even a fan, I did a story earlier this year on Ron Ackman, who's 91 going on 92. His wife passed 20 years ago. He still goes to every game, leaves her seat unattended, and just wants to see a title. And yeah. unfortunately, he's got to wait another year. Like, there are a lot of people like that, people we see around the ballpark. I know we all wanted Popper to go out with the bang last year. Security guy Bill. Yeah. Vince. Right. Old guy. Old guy Bill. <laughs> who's famous now, thanks to ESPN. But, um... That, that kind of like, I don't know. You know, we don't root for, for teams. It, it's always easier and more enjoyable when the team you cover is winning. But there are certainly people you come across every day who it's like, yeah. you know it would mean a ton to them well, if you, the team they watch every day won. You heard it won. all last year when the Cubs won. You know, how, yeah. how many generations of fans and all the stories and seeing pictures of people leaving little Cubs flags and graveyards and, you know, because of their ancestors who got them into baseball who never got to experience it, like, Cleveland wants that. Cleveland needs that. And we all thought this team was as good a position as any in in many, many years here to, to get it done. And yet it's a missed opportunity, as Jay Bruce said. Missed opportunity. And Zach, you all right over there? Zach, as we're recording this in the press box, Zach just stumbled away, smiled, and pulled up something on his phone. With that shit-eating grin on his face. Soak it in, guys. Is this the one with the sad dogs? Yeah. Oh, Linus would star in this commercial. It's always on it. Also, my former HPD franchise, the Mad Dogs. Anytime you can listen to Sarah McLachlan just before the sun rises... It's you gotta be a do good it. day. You gotta do it. Friends can listen to I Will Remember You in the Dark. It's been fun, guys. It's a movie reference. What will you remember most about this season? Ryan. It's a 22 game win streak or something special. That when Lindor doubled the side. That's crazy. That was Jordan? I don't know. No. I don't know. There's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of things coming into, uh, coming into my mind. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously the 22 game win streak stands out. Um, Jose Ramirez breaking out. Kluber's season was just unreal. 
Don't be afraid to let those pipes flow, Ryan. It's spelt out the lyrics. TJ? I know you haven't had to sing for a quote in a while, but... Oh, that's right. Mike Napoli might not be here anymore, but it might be that time. Boy, I... I mean, the obvious one is to say the end of the season, what we witnessed down the stretch. Stuff that you'll... Forget what happened, and it's impossible to, but forget what happened in the last five hours and think on things that happened in September are things we'll never see again. I'm willing to bet we're not going to see the Indians ever win 22 games in a row again. And in baseball, it's funny that way. They'll probably win 23 next year. But I mean, 1916 New York Giants will keep popping champagne. (laughs) I also remember in 2012 when they went five and 24, saying, "I might never see, I might not ever see this again." A lot has changed. I I remember Travis Hafner at his locker after they took two of three from the Tigers to to. to, I don't know how many games they got with. They were pretty close there at the end of the season. I remember him saying, "We're going to use this as momentum. We're not going to let this. We're not going to let this, you know, fade by the wayside. We're going to take this and run with it." And they lost the next eleven games. <laughs> so Austin, I'll remember Austin that. Jackson's catch. Yeah, flipping over the Fenway wall. Do you remember what I said to you before that game ended? I, I don't. I looked at you and I said, Jordan, if Christian Vasquez hits a home run right here, I am fucked. <laughs> I do. Pitch. I do remember. Were we in Detroit when Brad Zimmer made that crazy catch? We were eating ice cream, and TJ Zuby grabbed my arm and just said, "Like holy shit!" and just grabbing my arm. Weren't we not in the press box? We were eating ice cream. No, that was a different day. Okay. Tiger tracks, excellent. Yeah. I I don't know what I'll remember. Remember Tito had health issues. Like it was a that was a lot. That comeback, that that comeback that game against Texas when he left and yeah. had a lot. That was another incredible game. This was an incredible season. You know, this is a really sour end to what was a really fun year. And luckily, we have like Cleveland.com to chronicle every single moment of it. <laughs> and we'll be able Zach, to, you okay? <laughs> we will be able to go back through and relive all of these probably at some point uh, in a novel. Wow, that was that's. Wow. Uh, you know, it was an interesting year. Just, I wanted Again? To, I want, well, I want this to play out. Um, play us. What does it mean to play it out? To end the podcast? <laughs> anyway. I, <laughs> no, I, it's, it was this a... This never ended. You, <laughs> we, we so tricked you guys. This, we're going to be back here. We're going to stay here until opening day. No, it was... Uh, the Lindor Grand Slam probably what I'll remember most. Against Texas in the no. first series? Oh, well, yeah. That was, no. yeah, that was another one, him playing insane. mad and, and hitting those two homers. And that poor girl in the front row that was oh. sobbing <laughs> three days into the season. I'm sorry. If you're sobbing three days into the season, you're probably going to have a pretty rough go the rest of the way. Yeah. It's been fun, guys. It's been fun. I'll remember this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's probably the one that got you fired. So that's that's always <laughs> good. Uh, but no, thank you, Ryan Lewis of the Akam Beacon Journal. Thank you. Where can they find your stuff online? At Ohio.com. What about Jordan Bastion of MLB.com? Where can we find your stuff? At ML Bastion on Twitter and Indians.com on the interweb. Be sure to follow all of Jordan's tweets there, but don't click Free any content. of his links. Free content, guys. Don't click the link. Just Especially continue the to ask him. Free. It's not good enough to be behind a paywall. 
Yeah, support journalism. I'm being facetious. Thanks. And uh, Zach Meisel, where can we find your work? I mean, <laughs> on theathletic.com. Oh, thanks. I just needed that plug. And we're out of here. So any of you, the, the three people that stuck around to listen to this whole thing. And 63 my mother, minutes. And my mother that will someday scold me for having F-bombs on the podcast, too. I appreciate you listening. One minute for each error the Indians committed in the last two games Yikes. of the series. Oh, boy. Ooh. Yikes. Uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitchers. Uh, Tumblr? Bumble. <laughs> Bumble. <laughs> Jesus. That, too, man. Swipe Is right Is this Anthony Lima's podcast? <laughs> And we will see you, I don't know, Zach, when we, what are we going to do this again? Well, I don't know. We could knock another one out at IHOP in a few minutes. Uh, yes, until... No, we'll have plenty of stuff all off-season. Until 5.45 a.m. We're signing off, and actually, we'll see you pretty soon. So, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. We're out of here! We've Man, that's sweet.